Blacktivities is a Black Panache original production, a podcast network with a lineup of Black-hosted shows sharing Black stories and tackling Black issues. For more information on shows like our newest production, Fat Lies Matter, visit blackpanache.com. Links are in the show notes. I believe our families have been broken since we were colonized. Mm. So that's when the men were taken out of the homes. They were studded out like horses and dogs. And that put us in a very precarious role because women then had to carry everything on their shoulders. And there were so many things happening to us as a people that we've been broken since we got here. And so if you look at it from that perspective, and then the data that we just looked at that says we even began to start overcoming that even then up until the crack epidemic. So there have been strategies against Black families since day one. I'm Shannon. And I'm Lisa. And you're listening to Black Activities, a celebration of all things Black. Black culture, Black history, Black perspectives, and Black panache. Celebrating our Blackness doesn't mean exclusion. Everybody's invited, but you got to come in and have a seat. So let, let the Black activities begin. Hey, y'all. I'm Shannon, and these are my beautiful co-hosts, Mona Lisa the Poet and Karen, a.k.a. KK. Tis the season of love. And we've talked about Black love before, but we always kind of give it a different spin. In season two, we talked about Black love in movies and TVs. So if you're interested in that, you can check out season two, episode three called Black Love is Love. I linked it in the show notes to help you out. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the benefits of Black love. Because I actually think it might be a major key to solving some of the problems in the Black community. We'll see what these ladies think in a minute. But we also want to hear from you. So if you're watching on YouTube, please leave us a comment. Now, I'm going to say, give us some feedback. But be careful because we bite back. We're primarily on Instagram, IG. You can catch us at Blacktivities Pod. So we're also on Facebook too. All of those links are in the show notes. Again, looking out for you. And we do like to read and talk about some of those comments on the show. And I look forward to being able to read whatever, you know, you need to share on our post. We are definitely into reading and hearing about your comments, but you know, we ain't never scared. Keep right. it respectful. Yes, keep it respectful. But we're going to move on. Come on, KK, what big facts you got for us? So let me not pretend like I can see this without glasses. <laughs> can we get the big facts, though? Big facts. So here's your big facts. In reference to relationships, historically, in 2012, the U.S. Census Bureau released a report that studied the history of marriage in the U.S. 
discovering that um, when calculating marriage by race, they found that African-Americans aged 35 and older were more likely to be married than white Americans from 1890 until sometime around the 1960s. Not only did they swap places during the 60s, but in 1980, the number of never married African-Americans began a staggering climb from about 10% to more than 25% by 2010, while the percentage for white women remained under 10% and just over 10% for white men who've ever been married. This comes from blackdemographics.com, by the way. And also, if you think about the 80s, think about what happened in the 80s that helped those numbers to decline. And then the marriage uh, information for Black men aligns with the incarceration numbers, which also experienced an abnormal climb beginning in 1980. This does not prove causation, however. It does show that they are related to the assumption that men in prison are less likely to marry. So you're talking about the war on drugs, the crack epidemic. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what I was thinking. Absolutely. And presently, African-Americans now moving forward are the least married any major racial ethnic group in America. According to this 2020 census, 30% of African-Americans were married compared to 43% of Hispanics, 52% of whites, 58% of Asians. Also, 50% of African-Americans have never been married compared to 28% whites. Both Black and white Americans have similar divorce stats with 12% of each population currently divorced, which is higher than Hispanic at 9%, Asian at 5%. Both Black and Hispanics have the highest percentage of separations at 3% compared to 1% of white and Asians. Mm. There's your big fact. That's interesting. Let's talk about first, how can Black love, like Black couples getting and staying married benefit the community? What do y'all think? Them staying together and benefiting the community is showing that representation and breaking the not only stereotype that it's okay to have a whole bunch of baby mamas and baby daddies, but showing that, that it, it's okay for us to have stability. So that's why I feel like it's just showing stability, giving a great example. Yeah, because there's a lot of generational curses. Some of them starting from some of that history that you're talking about, you know, with fathers being incarcerated. So we have a lot of generational curses that I feel like could be broken just with that positive example there of a lasting marriage, mother-father roles, because I think also a lot of people, when they get older, they don't really know how to be a father or how to be in a lasting marriage. Also, being an educator and having that background in children and their development. I feel like bro both parents in a household serve the whole child. You have certain things that moms are better at 
and certain things that dads are better at. And when you put them together, I feel like that is serving the whole child. There's better behavior, more success educationally, which kind of leads to better careers and more money. So I feel like it could also be like a financial come up as someone who's married, like having that dual income is important. Something else that I feel like is important is we know ourselves and love ourselves first before we start bringing children into this world. Mm -hmm. And then also make sure you understand your partner as well. Now, I'm not saying that all cases, just because you do the research in the beginning, that it will be everlasting. But at least you try. It could contribute towards, you know, something positive to where it is long lasting. And then don't be so sensitive. That's another thing. And if you're willing to be with someone, listen to them. Because they're not just saying or expressing their emotions and what's bothering them just to be for shits and giggles. We, we need to pay attention to our, our partners. But Lisa, all that stuff comes from trauma. People True. having issues and bringing <laughs> baggage into the relationship. So it's like people don't know how to deal with that. They don't know how to process that. Mm -hmm. That might be a need for some counseling or something. And this is true. And I agree with you, especially when you talked about the generational curses, because that's something that I am focusing on with my children. As stated before, I have three children, three girls. Two of them are young adults now. The oldest is 22. And then I got an 18 year old. And my youngest is 11, but she be doing her own shit sometimes. We, we'll talk about that later. It's a different <laughs> episode. But with them, yes, I used to feel bad that I chose myself and I decided that I didn't want to be in a marriage anymore because it was my mental ability that was at stake. <laughs> but with them, I have been doing research. I've been a lot of reading. And I make sure to remain positive. That way I can say I did my part to break that generational curse. So I want them to have an education. I want them to, you know, have their own. That way they can have something to bring to the table. And then that be that. Okay, Greasy, what you think? Well, it's interesting because... I believe our families have been broken since we were colonized. Mm. So that's when the men were taken out of the homes. They were studded out like the horses and dogs. And that put us in a very precarious role because women then had to carry everything on their shoulders. And there were so many things happening to us as a people that we've been broken since we got here. And so if you look at it from that perspective, and then the data that we just looked at that says we even began to start overcoming that even then up until the crack epidemic. So there have been strategies against Black families since day one. And because there were strategies against Black families, we have to also consider that 
generational curses is, is accurate. We are people with PTSD, but have only practiced give it to Jesus as a method of recovery. And that's not entirely sufficient. So we have to think about what makes us whole individually. How do we recover? How do our men recover? And, you know, even looking at this from the perspective of complete families, you know, family dynamics have evolved now and they look very different in 2023 going into 2024 versus what they've ever looked at. So that's another episode, I'm sure. But when we look at our families, what has happened to us, the mental health that is required to maintain a whole family and to also consider what we've been through, it's a lot. And we have to have a measure of grace for us as Black people when it comes to relationships and not buy into this gender war that's happening now. There's one more thing I want to say, and that is there's a clip that went viral and I absolutely love it. And it was Tank talking about how Sam Smith got the opportunity to sing a song that would have normally been sung probably by a Black artist, but it was not given to one of us. And we're not really allowed to sing R&B the way we were and love on each other through music, which is something that we created. So we're not allowed to really love on each other through our music. Music is the one thing that touches you that you can't touch back. And so we touched each other and we reached each other through our music. And what Tank said was that Sam Smith got to sing the song "Stay with Me." Tank did a beautiful Don't come rendition with of me. it. Oh, I was hoping you wouldn't say it was that See? one. I knew it was it. "Stay with Me," and Tank did a beautiful little clip of it. But he said, "Our violence is not what's feared; it's our love. Mm. It's our love." I need and to so cue the organ me. music. You See preaching? What I'm saying right. So us loving each other is where the power is, which is why we have a gender war being strategically fed, which is also why we look at Black women being the most highly educated demographic and they throw in certain artists to break that down and change the the perception of us. So propaganda is real. This machine is real. And the attack on our Black love is real. Piggyback off of your saying, uh, that is that is a perfect example. But did y'all watch the new reinvented Wonder Years? That's on my list. Some of it. I've watched it. I watched all of it. I, I love it because they redid it to where it's a black family. It is husband and wife. They both have really good jobs. The husband also is a, a successful musician. I had to say it slow. And the wife has like an accounting job. She's she's very educated. They're raising their children. Their oldest is a veteran. Their daughter is graduating high school, getting ready to go to college. And then they have the youngest son. But it's showing like love. Like it was so positive. It was like, this is what my house was like. It's not like ratchet how they think black families are. Yep. And I was sad to read earlier this week 
that after two seasons, their cats left. But it was so good. Yeah. And it was positive. But we exist in a duality. I mean, we we have all the hood and ratchetness, but we also have families who exist in that realm as well. But there won't be what you mentioned, representation of our duality. There's a good example of duality. You guys may have seen this girl. She became a doctor. And when she took her picture, she had her cap and gown and all that. And it was what you expected in doctor. And then she did this. I seen that. I think I see what I'm saying. I seen that. So it it doesn't take away from her education, but it's just the duality was there, and she was intentional, and I loved it. She was intentional about that. But but we are shown as a monolith. You either gonna show us one way or another. That's why we need to take over our own narratives when it comes to a lot of things, and our love is one of them. Right. One hundred thousand percent. And that kind of leads us into the next question that I was going to ask, like what things have gotten in the way of or been distractions from that black love that we were talking about? So much. Yeah. I mean, I feel like we've kind of touched on that already. We talked about mass incarceration. Yeah. We talked about the generational trauma and people with messed up childhoods. It kind of creates just like a cycle of of things that are damaging. Aaron shared the music situation and yeah, and television and it's just the way that we're represented. To expand on that, I just notice the male-female exchange and I see it in the music and also just in like different things that become trending topics with social media and things like that. There's a lot of negative. Niggas ain't ish. Men got to make six figures in order to have some type of value. That's the the world now. And then on the other side of it, it's like money in exchange for sex. So the women... Y'all about to kick me off the show. (laughs) The women is like, you know, you got to be giving it up. You got to be sexy and doing this and doing that. First of all, if this is true, if they made Sexy Red the number one female rapper for 2023, as disgusting as that is, and I say what I said because I'm a mom of three girls, I will beat the shit out of them if they ever got somewhere talking about licking. You know, that is not, no, that, what happened to being ladylike? All that is. Look, look, KK put her head down. What you got to say, KK? So y'all, it's been nice being on this show. (laughs) So. No, no, baby, tell us what's going on. So this is the thing. I believe in traditional relationships, marriage, all of that. I'm all for it. Whether you decide to have an informal relationship, whether it's monogamous or just a spiritual connection or however you choose to do it. But I do believe that women are hypergamous by nature. Ooh, that's a three-point word. She did, baby. (laughs) (laughs) I believe that with that said, we have a desire to be cared for in a particular way. Part of the issue that we're seeing comes from women saying, we, we need you. Okay, I take that back. A lot of women are saying, we don't need you. 
But the, the <laughs> truth is we do need men. Mm-hmm. We just need them to show up differently than they have in the past. Because I don't need you to build a house, but I do need you to be together so we can build a life together, whatever that looks like. I don't want to bear everything on my shoulders. I still want to be the woman in this situation. So that's part of it. I'm glad you said that. You kick me off. (laughs) No, you're not kicking me off. No, no, no. You're not going nowhere. (laughs) We, We just need men to show up differently. Women have been progressing for decades at this mm-hmm. point. Men still make more money, but we move differently and our role is different. We just need men to catch up with what we're doing and we need to listen to each other because personally, we cannot respect or I'm going to say a dirty word, submit to Someone who is not capable of leading the charge, what we're trying to build, or at least co-leading. I understand that, but it wouldn't be fair to say solely that men need to come with it. It is us as women to make sure that we're picking the right one. And if mentally we're not out there and we're able to be out in the world to where we're disrespecting ourselves. Like it's on us to make sure that we understand that we inspire a lot. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's on us to make sure that we're in that positive light and that mentally we're ready and we're picking the right person. I understand things happen, but We have to learn from those. It's on us. My husband always likes to say that women control everything. Like we control how these men act toward us because we allow it. And there is some woman who's going to allow it out there. If you put your foot down, there's somebody else that is going to allow it. True. So as a collective, we control how... The men are allowed to treat us. And I understand that. I also think that that goes back to the generational trauma because the man that we're picking has to do probably with the dad and we might not be picking the right person. And I also think that that message that's out there, the propaganda that's out there is not going to help us get any closer to our goal because on both sides, we're being negative toward the opposite sex. Right. So it's like, I don't know. To me, it just feels like a prostitution situation. No. This is true. I hear that a lot. That it's more transactional than ever. And I think it's that way a lot because folks haven't had those examples. The example that you talk about with the need for a mother and father is spot on because it's in that environment that we learn outside of dating. But when you're dating, you already come in with preconceived notions. But Mm -hmm. when you're in a home and you see a man and a woman interact in a certain way, then a standard is set and ideas are are put into place of how things should be. So you go into a situation with that And it's not transactional. So for instance, I don't care if I make more money. What are we building? 
What is the vision? What are we creating in terms of generational wealth? So if $50,000 is a decent median income, that's no problem. But if I make more, I'm not going to disrespect a man. I would never do that. It's really about if there is positional leadership, if we're co-leading, whatever works for our household. But people are listening to the man should be the head, the woman should do this, and then and then these folks say they should work together. What works for your household? That's where the respect and the submission and the partnership comes in. So whatever that partnership looks like and whatever works for you, it has to do with picking the right people. Pick somebody who's like-minded. I love that opposites attract, but there has to be somebody who's like-minded about life going forward. Yeah, exactly. Share it goes. Now, how do we get this thing on track? Because it's so off right now. Communication. And another thing, too, is you got too many people looking over in this person's yard and what they got going on. Just focus on what you got going on. Hmm. I know that's going to be hard considering that we all need to come together and set an example, but you got to focus on you, though. And something that has been trending is the topic. It's funny you said this because I was talking to my cousin about this yesterday and she made a post on Facebook. But it's talking about how the man is the provider. But she was saying is she don't have an issue with going on half of the bills. They know how they feel about each other. They support each other. And which I understand that. I totally understand that. Because I'm the type of person who is I don't like to rely. But I make sure, though, that man understands in a way that I still look at him as a leader. Even though I have my own, uh, I don't have an issue of being submissive. No, that makes it like what you said. I believe in head of household, but people take that and they like run with it. It don't mean what a lot of people deserve it. Right. But that's not to say that, you know, I have no say in what happens in my household because my husband is the leader of the household. It's like every company has a CEO. But that doesn't mean that the CEO makes all the sole decisions, right? We discuss everything together and I trust him to be the head of the household because he is leading me in a path that I agree with. And what's sexier than a black man that is leading? He's never going to move without consulting me first and us discussing it. Yes, there's a mutual respect there. If I say, I don't think we should do this, it's not going to happen. But he's still the head of our household. Right. Right. And that and that plays a part that there is no ego issues either, you know, because I can see that where if a woman makes more than a man, then there's some type of ego issues where he can't handle it or she can't handle it. And that but doesn't work it. for some men. And so if there's a man, and he cannot take it because men care less about a woman's income. I met a guy a while back and we got into similar conversation and he was like, I don't care if a woman work at Taco Bell, you know, but that's what men say. And so when it comes to this whole thing, it really is about what works for you. So we both sides have to consider what works for you. If a man knows he can't handle a woman making six figures because it's going to cut into him, 
She's not the one. I don't care how bad she is. Mm-hmm. She ain't the one. And that women accept over there that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, women, y'all need to accept that too because if the man make less, y'all be so fixated on this is what y'all want. This is a part of your three, five-year plan. And then y'all start buying this man. That's not making him feel any better about the situation. That's making it worse. But that's why it's for both men and women. We really need to be more thoughtful in how we select who's in our life. Mm -hmm. You know, just like we could say, you know, I want my hamburger with these ingredients. We more selective about that than the people we bring into our lives. (laughs) I'm going to tell you exactly what I don't want. But we need to be like that when it comes to people as well and not deviate from that. And the people we choose to have children with. Amen. That too. Look, let's have a moment of silence. (laughs) No shade. Yeah. I think part of it also is that we got to heal our own stuff. Like that's on us, men and women. We got to heal our stuff. Yeah. Because we're bringing all that stuff into a relationship and then having kids and putting that on them. So we got to heal. All right, Lisa, what you got for a piece? Yes. So this one is titled Black Man because I love me a chocolate man. I got a milk chocolate one. Oh, so extra. (laughs) Okay. So this was put together a good while ago. And obviously, whenever you write, it's off of emotions. And I really was like emotional when I wrote this. So this is facts. Black man, who are you? Black man, I dig you. I pray over your body while you sleep. You make me smile. I'm comfortable. Even though there are many pieces to our huge puzzle of life, your presence, your light, your patience means so much. Even though this world is cruel, you stand there, black man. You may not think of moments like this, but I feel it's a woman's job to ensure the right one is chosen for this stable foundation of love. Being a man is huge, but being a good man is enormous. You are the like example I want my children to witness. So it ain't nothing like black love. You, black man, I dig you. Yes. And she going to mention huge and enormous in a poem about black men. Oh, it's like a star. Oh, baby, it's like a star. I think you were envisioning Boo Thing when you wrote that. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> Something like that. All right, ladies, it's time to call the culture. What were some of the takeaways from this discussion? And what's your call to action for the culture? Love is love. Okay, we're going to put that out there. But for certain people, they prefer, they have that preference of Black love. That's what turns them on. But it's okay to hold your fist up high for Black love. And if love is your purpose, your goal then to do whatever it takes to build your love for that stable foundation. You each are the prize. So act like it. Okay. 
Well, I'm a proponent of black love because I, I know its impact and I believe it can change our community. And as we move forward, we really just need to be cognizant of what we want. And even if that changes later on, you know that you've made a, the best decision in that moment. So if the shoe don't fit, don't stick your foot in there trying to make it fit any old way, walking around with bunions and corns. That's not going to work. <laughs> it needs to be what works for you in a tangible way. Get your healing, do what needs to be done. Take time for yourself to know yourself. Understand that dating and courting is not just seeking, but also learning. Learn about yourself in that process. So we need to to do a better job of understanding the purpose of dating and courting and building relationships and what's foundational to those things and how to make uh, logical decisions. I'm going to say we need to change the narrative within our community about the dynamic between men and women. We need to change the narrative in our music. We need to definitely heal, heal your ish. That's, that's, that's the mic drop for me. Heal your ish. And then you make better decisions. I'm also calling the culture to go on ahead. Click that plus in Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening and subscribe in YouTube, just like the last time. So you can get your Black Tivities on every week. Until we meet again, King and Queens keep doing big things. Let's go. Bye.